All right, good morning, everyone. It is an incredible zuchos to be able to continue learning with all of you. So wonderful to see everyone on together on these uh, days leading up to Purim. And as Mr. Shulman mentioned, being that we are in the days before Purim, so I'd like to use this opportunity to focus on, on what I hope, I mean, I've found it to be an interesting idea. I hope that you'll also find it to be an interesting idea and insight and perspective into the Yom Tov of Purim. We will, Emirat Hashem, quote a couple of psukim from Sefer Tehillim, so we'll be Yosei the fact that it is a Tehillim Shir as well. But my, my goal is, you know, I, I think I've often mentioned over the course of our years of learning together, that sometimes it's the very things that we do year in and year out, and the very things that we're so used to doing, and the things that are so commonplace, even though we know all of the details, we know all of the mechanistic aspects of it, sometimes we miss a little bit of the neshama, a little bit of the soul of that particular thing. So I'd like to draw your attention to what I think is something fascinating in the dynamic of Purim, that I think through the prism of examining one mitzvah, in Neret Hashem, we will be able to see a much greater message and much greater purpose in the Yom Tov of Purim. So let's begin with number one on your sheet. So the Megillah and Perek test, this is at the end of the story of the Megillah. So the Megillah tells us, Vayichtov Mordechai Hadvarim Ha'ila, so remember again, at the end of the Megillah, I don't want to ruin the story for anyone, but we won, Baruch Hashem, it came out all right, thank God, more than all right, incredible salvation, incredible Yeshua, incredible, incredible heroism on the part of Esther Mak, on the part of Mordechai Atzadik, and Mordechai and Esther are the ones who write down the Megillah, and they go ahead and they dispatch to all of the outlying Jewish communities to make the 14th and 15th of Adar, as days of celebration for the incredible miracle of Purim. So the, so the Megillah goes on. The Megillah says, I mean, still in number one. Now it's Pasuk Chafbeis, verse 22. So here again, Mordechai and Esther explain how do you celebrate the Yom Tov of Purim. So it's very specific. There are days of Mishnah and Simcha. So Mishnah and Simcha, we understand Simcha, joy. Mishnah, celebration. And sending Shabbat Manas, which we'll discuss, and Matanos Le'evyonim. And ultimately, again, gifts to the poor. So let, let's, let's kind of back out of this a little bit. So the Megillah therefore gives us it can either be four or three mitzvahs. Let's assume for our let's assume for our purposes this morning that it's three mitzvahs. Mitzvah number one is mishteh simcha, right? So celebrate. Literally, mishteh means a physical celebration. Simcha can mean emotional joy or it can mean physical joy. But let's assume for a moment that that's referring to the mitzvah of suuda on Purim. There is a mitzvah to have a celebratory suuda on the Yom Tov of Purim. That's mishteh simcha. Skip to the end. Matanos that I understand, gifts to the poor. Tzedakah, tzedakah. And, and again, it's interesting to note, you'll say to yourself, well, there's a mitzvah of tzedakah every single day. So, of course, the mitzvah of Matanos Levyonim is actually a little bit unique halachically. That's whereas normally with the mitzvah of 
tzedakah, you have every right to verify a cause. And in fact, a person should verify a cause. Just because you're asked for money for something, you should not automatically give. It's important to understand, right? There's a limited number of tzedakah dollars. A person has to be careful with their mouse tzedakah. And you have to be careful where you give, to whom you give, for what purposes you give. In Hilchos tzedakah, you know, there's a hierarchy. Not every form of tzedakah is considered to be the same. Some are more important, some are less important. Matanos Ladion means the halacha of the Shulchan Aruch says, whoever extends his hand and asks for tzedakah on Purim, we give. So it's not only mitzvah tzedakah, but it's almost like an unfiltered tzedakah. It's whoever says they're in need, we give, we don't even verify. Okay, what about mishlach maros ishtarei'ehu? These gifts of food, one ishtarei'ehu, literally a person to his fellow. So what's the purpose of this particular mitzvah? So again, remember, I understand, I'm celebrating the salvation of Purim. I understand, because remember, again, I want to make sure if there's a mitzvah of for everyone, that means the poor have to be able to celebrate as well. Well, how could the poor celebrate if I don't help give them the means to celebrate? So therefore, again, I understand celebration, I understand but why or what is the nature of the mitzvah of Mishloach Manos. What, what am I trying to accomplish by Shalach Manos? See, here we get into a very interesting discussion. If you take a look at number two, so the Bach, Rav Yol Circus, explains as follows. He says, this is very interesting. See, the Bach writes over here that the goal of celebration on Yom Tiv, I'm sorry, the goal of celebration on Purim is not just simply a personal celebration, but the goal is that we should celebrate together. The whole essence of Purim is to create a sense of achdos, to create a sense of unity within our people. So interestingly enough, the way the Bach understands it is, I'm going to have my suuda with you. You're going to have my suuda with me. So it's interesting. So the way the Bach, and, and what, what an interesting idea for Purim suuda. Essentially, what ends up happening over here is as follows I give you food, you give me food, and the goal is that we then sit down and have our Purim suuda together. So interestingly enough, the entire goal of Mishloach Manos is to create a sense of achdos. But according to the Bach, the way it creates a sense of unity is by eating together. So I'll give you food, you'll give me food, you'll sit down and eat the food that I gave you, I'll sit down and eat the food that you gave me, and through that meal, and the wine doesn't hurt, through that meal and that, through that, meal and that wine, we become closer together. The Chassam Sofer, the Chassam Sofer number three, has a very similar idea. The Chassam Sofer writes, Ach b'sefer monos levi al-megillah sestra laharbos ha-shalom v'hareos. So it's interesting. So the Chassam, so whereas the Bach understands, this is really quite fascinating, the Bach pretty much understands that on Purim, there's really one mitzvah. And the mitzvah is mishta v'simcha. The, the, the mitzvah is physical celebration, joy. Then the other mitzvahs, Mishlach Monos and Matanos Levionim, are to facilitate Mishta Vesimcha for everyone. If I have money, if I have my own money, so that I can go ahead and achieve 
Mishnah v'simcha on my own. But ultimately, again, in order to ensure that everybody is able to participate together, so we go ahead and we give food to each other. So according to the Bach, the goal of the Mishlak Manos again is uh, you take the food that I gave you, I take the food that you gave me, and we sit down and we eat together. The Chassam Sofer says something a little bit different, uh, still similar but a little bit different. He says the entire essence of Mishlach Manos is La Harbos Hashalom Vahareos, to increase, to increase joy or to increase peace and camaraderie. Hefech Margaliso Shal Hatsar Sha'amar Mefuzar Umefurad. Remember again, how did Haman malign the Jewish people? He maligned us by saying, There is one nation who is scattered amongst the nations. Now, when Haman said, he didn't just mean that we're geographically scattered. He said, we don't get along with each other. You know, Haman said, the Gemara says, Haman says, you know, the nature of persecuted peoples is that they tend to band together. And look at these Jews. Look at these Jews. Everybody hates them. Everybody persecutes them. And yet, they still have so much dramatic infighting. So says the Hassam Sofer, we give Mishloach Monos one to the other to show Haman, you were wrong about us. You were wrong about us. Namely, what he goes on, he says, Therefore, again, the whole point of Mishloach Monos is to show, I love you and you love me. That's the goal. Haman tried to say that we are scattered and there's so much infighting and we are not united. So by sending Shalach Manos one to the other, ultimately we go ahead and we show how much we love for each other, how much how much we love each other, how much we care for each other. Imkain, Yeshlomar, this is actually very interesting. This is fascinating. What happens, for example, imagine the following scene. You show up at my house with Shalach Manos, that, I'm not dropping a hint over here. I'm just saying, you, you, you show up at my house with Shalach Manas, right? And, and I say, thank you so much. It looks delicious. You know what? I, I'm, I'm watching I'm watching my figure. I bought myself a new uh, new suit for Pesach. I want to fit into it. You know, so, so, so no thank you. Thank you so much. No thank you. So interesting enough, so the Hassam Sofer says, is a person Yotze, you the giver, are you Yotze Shalach Manas? Have you fulfilled your obligation? And the Chassam Sofer says, listen to this, Imkein Yeshlomar, last line of number three, Imkein Yeshlomar, Kevan Sheshalach Veherach Ibaso, Afal Pishazem Mochelo, Kvar Yotze Dechavaso. So the Chassam Sofer says, yes, if you bring Shalach Manas to someone's house and they say, thank you so much, so appreciated, so beautiful, but no thank you. No, thank you. Maybe I'm allergic. You know, I I can't eat uh, I'm, I'm, I can't eat gluten. I can't eat dairy. I can't eat flavor. Whatever it is, I, I'm allergic. I can't accept the shalach manas. The chassam sofer says the giver still fulfills their obligation. Why? Because the entire point of shalach manas is to increase Jewish unity. Is to increase love between one Jew and the other. So pretty much, how is that accomplished? The love is interesting. The love isn't created by me eating your hamantashen, right? The love is created by seeing that another Jew took the time to come to my home to give me something. So once that's accomplished, and this is incredibly profound, in general, by the way, this is the dynamic of gift giving, right? When you get a gift from someone, so if you're a mature person, rarely is your simcha about the gift, the item, the simcha is about the fact that someone cares about me, that, 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 someone, that someone loves me, that someone ultimately, again, 
w- wants to go ahead and show their their love for me. That, that, I'm sorry. That, that's really ultimately what this is about. And it's so dramatic. It's so incredibly dramatic. It's not about what you get. So the Hassam Sofa says, it's not about the grape juice or the wine or the hamantashin or the cake or whatever somebody's you know crazy theme is for, for Shalach Manas. Right? That, that's not what matters. That's not what matters. What matters is that one Jew went out of their way to give something to another Jew. And once that happens then by definition, mission accomplished. Now, I just want to point out, this is not a halacha share, but it happens to be there's so much fascinating halacha in general about, you know, are you yotze shalach manas if you leave it by someone's door and they're not home? Or are you yotze shalach manas, you know, if you send it by mail, you know, not directly one to the other? So there's a lot of discussion in the post game. So that's why, again, I would tell you it's very important to make sure you at least directly deliver two Mishloach Monos packages, right? You don't have to give to a hundred of them. You never have to give a hundred of them. But, you know, to, to make sure you give directly two to, to, to two people, this is incredibly important. But just again, without the halacha, the point you see from the Mepharsha, from the commentary so far, is that the entire point of Mishloach Monos is to establish a bond of unity. Establish a bond of unity. Now, the truth is, I just want to mention, this is incredibly important. Because when choosing who to give your Mishloach Manos to, this is incredibly important, and especially during a pandemic year where, where many people may be giving less Mishloach Manos, your friends don't need your Shalach Manos for one simple reason. Your friends know you like them. Your friends know you love them. Mishloach Manos is an incredible opportunity to repair relationships or to build relationships. Think about giving Mishloach Manos to people, maybe who you've had a strained relationship with, or people who you don't know, or people who you think may be a little bit isolated or on the periphery. It's, it's so important. You know, people spend so much time and so much money on these elaborate Mishloach Manos packages, which is not necessary to begin with. In fact, the Rambam says, so much better to spend your money on Matanos Yonim than it is to go ahead and give elaborate Mishloach Manos packages. But if you want to give elaborate Mishloach Manos packages, make a difference for Klal Yisrael. So you go ahead and you bring over Mishloach Manos to your best friend or to your circle of friends. How are they going to feel about you? Well, again, they loved you before. They loved you after. Have you moved the needle of national achdos? But if you use your Mishloach Manos as an opportunity to either repair a relationship or to maybe build a relationship, now I'm using the mitzvah to move the needle on national achdos, and that's incredible, and that's the mitzvah. Klumzong the Chumas Hadeshen, in number four, and he says something a little bit different. The Chumas Hadeshen writes, he says, So again, we're not, we're not going to get into the, he's actually, actually asking an interesting question, or was asked an interesting question. He was asked, can I fulfill Mishloach Manos by giving a gift of clothing? Interesting Shaila. Or as my friend has plenty of food, but I'd like to give them an article of clothing, or I'd like to give them money, or I'd like to give them some other gift of importance. Does it have to be food? In other words, what's driving the question of the Chumas Hadeshen is if you tell me that the entire essence of Mishloach Manos is to build bonds of unity, I don't know. So I have someone I want to build a bond with, and I know they'll appreciate the salad bowl. So can I bring them a salad bowl instead of going ahead and bringing them food? So the Truman Sadeshan says, if you skip the last line, he says, Alma, 
Taima Mishum Seudahu. So the Truman Sadash says, in reality, in reality, the point of Mishlach Monos is to ensure that everyone has what they need for Seuda. For Seuda, there is a mitzvah of physical celebration. There is a mitzvah to have a joyous meal. Some people have, some people don't. We don't want to embarrass anyone. Therefore, the best way to ensure that everyone has what they need for the Purim Suda is how? Mishloach Manos. So Mishloach Manos is the way that you ensure that I have what I need for the Suda. I ensure that you have what you need for the Suda. And that's why, again, we see this in the Halacha. That's why, again, you have to give food that's ready to eat. You have to give food that's suuda worthy in your mishloch monos. In other words, a person wants to go and make a fancy mishloch monos, and they have this item or that item. And this item has to be cooked as. You can add in whatever ancillary items you want, but to fulfill the core mitzvah of mishloch monos, it has to be ready to eat chashuv important food. Because says the truma sadashen, it's in order to ensure that everyone has what they need for the suuda. So I'm pointing out to you that you see, like halachically and hashkafically. There's almost two different camps of understanding what the mitzvah mishloach manos is. According to the Bach, the Chassam Sofer, and many others, the entire essence of the mitzvah is build national unity. That's the goal. Build national unity, build achdos. That's what it's about. According to the Chuma Sadashan, it's something much more defined. It's in order to ensure that everyone has what they need for this seuda. Right. So, according, and just want to point out, according to the Truma Sadashin, really, one can make the argument that there's one overarching mitzvah on Purim, and that overarching mitzvah is Mishta the Simcha, to celebrate, to have a beautiful meal. That is the mitzvah of Purim, and then you have support mitzvos like Matanos Levionim and now Mishloach Manos, to ensure that in fact everybody has the ability to fulfill this mitzvah in the right way. And it struck me, it struck me very interesting. So now, you have an entire mitzvah called Shalach Manos, Mishlach Manos, that is structured in order to ensure that everyone has what they need for the Su'udah. And it struck me that, you know, Purim is not the only time that we have an obligation to have a Su'udah. Right? Shabbos, we have an obligation of Shalosh Su'udos, three meals, Yomtiv, we have an obligation of the Samachta Bechagecha, a biblical obligation to have a meal. Yet, interestingly enough, there's no mitzvah by Shabbos of Shalach Manus. Right? There's no mitzvah that Erev Shabbos, we all should exchange gifts of food in order to ensure that everybody has what they need for the Shabbos Suda. Right? And there's no concept like this by Yomtiv either, that before Yomtiv, let's exchange gifts of food. This way, everybody has what they need. For this. And, and again, I want to point out, on Yomtiv, there's a biblical obligation to have a Suda. On Shabbos, there's a biblical obligation to have a meal, to have three meals. Purim is Rabbanon, Purim is rabbinic. And yet, again, the rabbis instituted, or Mordechai and Esther instituted, an additional mitzvah of Mishloch Manos. So important is the meal, so important is the meal, that there's two levels of legislation. Level one is you have to have a meal. Level two is we're going to institute that everybody has to give each other gifts of food in order to ensure that everyone has a meal. So what's the pshat? What, or, or to say it a little bit differently, what is it that is so important about the Purim Suda that we go ahead and institute an additional mitzvah of Mishloach Manos to ensure that everyone has what they need? So to appreciate this, we have to take a little bit of a step back and talk about the general role of Suda of a meal 
in, in, in the Purim story. And this you're familiar with. If you take a look at number five, so the Gemara Mesechus Megillah says as follows, So the students asked Rashbi, the following question. Why is it that the Jews of the generation of the Purim story, why did they deserve to be destroyed? In other words, clearly the Jewish nation did something wrong during the times of Mordechai and Esther, that Hashem allowed Haman to bring about this dramatic and draconian de- decree. So what happened? So the Gemara says, Amru lahem, Amru atem, Amru shenanu, shal osha osha rasha. So essentially, Rabbi Shemayachai says to his students, come on guys, you know the answer to that. And they said, you know it, you're right, Rabbi. The reason why they, they, were, they were destined for, the reason why there was a decree of destruction levied upon them was because they participated in the su'uda, in the celebratory meal of Achashverosh. Now, this is the meal that the Megillah makes reference to in the beginning, right? More Achashverosh makes this elaborate feast. Remember, again, this was the, the multi-day feast that ended in the execution of Vashti. And the Gemara seems to say that the culpability of Klal Yisrael lies in the fact that we participated in the su'uda. Now, at first glance, it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't understand, it doesn't seem to make sense. Because at the end of the day, what was wrong with participating in the Suda Bachajerosh? Everything was kosher, right? It, uh, it was Yashan, it was Glat, it was Chadash, it was like the Mon, you know, whatever you wanted it to be. It, it, it could be, right? Whatever a number of the Chesherim will bring it in, whatever it is. The wine, everything, Yimar says, everything was kosher. There, there was, it wasn't a Kashros issue. So what was the problem participating in the Suda? So the Gemara number six says, because that Suda was a celebration of two things. Number one is a, cel- a celebration of Ahasuerus' consolidated monarchical power, but there was also something more sinister. The Gemara says in number six, Amar hashta vaday sulo mifriki apik money debe mikdasha ve'ishtamishpuhu. That meal was also a celebration by Ahasuerus of a feeling that the 70 years of redemption had already passed, or the 70 years of exile had already passed, and the Jewish people had still not been redeemed. It was a celebration of, of the conquest over the Jewish people and what they perceived to be a conquest over the Jewish God. How did they celebrate at the, at the Suda Bachasherosh? They, in fact, brought out the utensils of the Beis Hamikdash and used them as serving pieces during the Suda. In fact, again, many have the custom that when reading the Megillah, the Pasuk says that when they went ahead and they brought out the utensils, the Kalim, Mikalim Shonim. They brought out some very unique utensils. So there is a custom to read those words, with the trap of Echa, with the trap of Echa, the cantillation of Echa, because those unique utensils that are being described there references the fact that Achashverosh brought out the utensils of the base Hamikdash in his celebration, in this feast. It wasn't just the celebration of his monarchy, it wasn't just the celebration of his consolidated power. It was a celebration of conquest over the Jewish nation and the Jewish God. And the Jewish people participated in this feast. So it was kosher. It's incredible. It was kosher. It was glot. Glot, glot. 57 Ashkachas, Rebbes, and organizations, and everybody, everybody certifying it. It wasn't a kashras issue. It wasn't a kashras issue. It was a hashkafas hachayim issue. And in fact, of Usher Weiss writes, I'm going to do this outside. Rav Asher Weiss writes, I'm going to quote this to you, he says, what was the problem? He says, 
When the Jews participated in this Suda, Rav Asher White's posits, they gave up on redemption. They gave up on redemption. So when they participated in this Suda and they saw that Achashverosh is utilizing the utensils of the base Hamikdash, and they stayed, and they frest, and they ate, and they drank, and they enjoyed themselves. It wasn't the kashras issue. It wasn't the physical consumption issue. It was a spiritual consumption issue. Because by participating in that which was black kosher, they had effectively given up any dreams of redemption. They had given up any dreams of going back to Eretz They had given up any dreams of rebuilding the Beis HaMikdash. They had simply given in, resigned themselves to the fact we're diaspora Jews, this is where we live, this is what we do. This is the life we have. Fine. Just accept it, maximize it, and let's move on. That's what the Gemara means when it says, that's why the edict of Haman was able to gain traction, because the Jews participated in the Su'ud of Achashverosh. They didn't physically ingest anything illegal. They spiritually ingested tarfus. The hashkafas they ingested were treif. Because the hashkafa that they ingested was, Gullus is here, Gullus is irrevocable, we're not going back, there will be no Geula, there will be no Beis HaMikdash. That's what you believe, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, and that's the moment that he vests Haman with the power to make this decree. But I'll show you something interesting. If you take a look at number 8 on your sheet, the Gemara in Meseches Menachas, says something very interesting. The Gemara Meseches Menachas quotes a Pasuk from Yechezkel, which I, I put, that's number nine on your sheet. I put it on there so you could see everything there. The Gemara makes an interesting observation that the, that the Pasuk in Yechezkel, Yechezkel's prophetic vision, begins talking about the altar and then giving the measurements. And in the same verse, he interrupts by talking about the Shulchan. The table. Now, I remember again, the Shulchan and the Beis Hamikdash was a different kind of table. It was a table. On top of the table were two stacks, right? Two stacks of six shelves each. And those shelves held the Lechem HaPanim, the unique and special showbread that was baked inside of the Beis Hamikdash and was given to the Kohanim as they left their shift. Remember, the Kohanim served in the Beis Hamikdash each group from, for one week from a Shabbos to a Shabbos. So when they left, when they finished their week of service, they were given that past week's Lechem HaPanim as part of their Matnos Kuna, part of the Kohanic gifts. So the Gemara is intrigued by the fact that the Navi Yechaskel begins a discussion about the Mizbeach and interrupts it with a discussion about the Beis Hamikdash. I'm sorry, about the Shulchan about the table in the Mikdash. So the Gemara says something very interesting. The Gemara says, if you look about two lines in, the Gemara says, Pasach b'mizbeach, or one line in, I'm sorry, after the period. Pasach b'mizbeach v'sim b'sholchan. Why does Yechezkel begin a discussion about the Mizbeach, the altar, and then he interrupts it by talking about the Shulchan? So this is incredible. Rabbi Yochan, Rabbi Lazar, Dami Tarbayus, Rabbi Yochan, Rabbi Lazar both say, Bizman shebeis hamikdash kayum, to teach us about the following idea, that when the base Hamikdash stands, the Mizbeach, the altar, provides atonement. But now that the base Hamikdash no longer stands, 
a person's table atones for him. It's a very dramatic Gemara. The point of the altar, the point of the Mizbeach, was that it was a place of atonement, right? You committed an Avera, you did something wrong, or for that matter, you wanted just to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you would bring a sacrifice. Sacrifice would be offered enough. That was a form of atonement. That was, a, that was part of how I purged myself from the iniquity of sin. So now, what do I do now that we don't yet have a third base Hamikdash? What, what, what do I do for that atonement? Sigmar says, no problem. Now that there's no, now that there's no base Hamikdash, now that there's no Mizbeach, your table is able to affect atonement on your behalf. So what does this mean? So if we take a look at number 10, so the Tiferet Shlomo, the great Tiferet Shlomo of Radomsk writes, Shakarben hayu mekari d'Yisrael avin sheva shamayim v'aydei zebaka para, kena shulchon al yidei hakdusha sheyish b'machol, hu mekari d'Yisrael v'ashem misham v'aka para. So the Tiferet Shlomo writes the same way that the carbon, when you brought an animal, when you brought an offering, that offering brought you close to HaKadosh Baruch right? You took something physical and you elevated it up to a spiritual purpose. So now that I don't have the Mizbeach, when I take food, which could very, very easily be seen as something mundane and utilitarian, and I make a bracha on it, and I see the Rebbe Olam in it, it has the ability to connect me to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as well. So the same way that the animal offered up on the altar was taking something physical, but using it as a conduit for connection, so too when I sit at my table and there's food on the table, I take the physical food, I make a bracha on it, I see the Yad Hashem, the hand of God in it, I see the miraculous nature of food and the way it so often self-perpetuates, that's able to bring me closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay, Rashi number 11 says something a little bit different. Rashi says, Shulchan HaShad Mechaper, Dino Sein Prusali Archim, by giving, Hachnasas Archim, Hachnasas Archim, now, the interesting part about the Mizbeach, about the Mizbeach, about the altar in the Beis HaMikdash was it was a great unifier. Why was it a great unifier? Remember, there was one altar, right? It's not the Pshat that there was, you know, an altar for Ashkenazim, an altar for Sephardim, an altar for Hasidim, an altar for the Litvish, an, an, you know, an altar for Haredi, for modern Orthodox, for Zionists, for non-Zionists. Right? There wouldn't be enough room in the world for all the altars we would need if we would, every sect and every segment would have, there's one Mizbeach. There's one Mizbeach. And therefore, again, according to Rashi, ultimately what the Mizbeach does was, it was a glue for Klam Yisrael. So what does it mean that a person's table can serve as that glue in the absence of the Mizbeach? Because what are you able to accomplish at your table? You can open up your home and open up your table to all kinds of people. And your table, right? Everybody likes to eat. Everybody enjoys a good meal. So you could take a whole bunch of Jews of very different stripes and persuasions and sit them around the table and they could all eat the same brisket and the same chalant and the same gefilte fish, right? And it's amazing. Suddenly, again, there's a commonality. There's a bond that's created. The Mizbeach was a commonality. It was a bond. In the absence of the Mizbeach, my table could serve that same purpose. Interestingly enough, in the Torah Samincho, he writes in number 12 another fascinating idea. He says, it's not just Hachnasas Archim, ultimately again, Interestingly enough, the Torah Samincho says, no, 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 it's not just a din in Hachnasas Archim, it's a din in Sedaka. In Sedaka, 
that ultimately if you go ahead and you see someone who's hungry and you invite them into your home and you give them something to eat, that has the same effect. The same effect. So Torah says, in the absence of the in the absence of the base hamikdash of the mizbeach, your act of tzedakah at your table. And it's interesting, what the Torah Samincha is saying is that the Gemara is telling us that in the absence of the Beis Hamikdash, chesed, chesed, acts of charitable kindness take on a new power and a new dimension. But what's the kind of act of chesed that takes on the greatest power is the kind of chesed where, you know, it's not easy to write a check. No, nothing's easy. It's not easy to part with your money. You work hard for it. But sometimes it's much easier to give money than it is to go ahead and give of yourself. You know, if I have to open up my home and I have to sit at the same table with people and I have to listen and I have to this and I have to, and I have to smile and I have to be nice, that's not easy for everybody. It's not, it's not so passionate for everybody. If you tell me, you know, give me a check. Okay, fine. If I have the money, it's so much easier to give a check. To be a Baal to open up my home, to interact with all kinds of people, to go out of my, you know, interpersonal comfort zone, for many people, that's an incredible challenge. So the Torah Zamincha says something amazing. He says, if you open up your home to the poor and you help those who really don't have... And by the way, poverty poverty is, is not just people don't have money. There are plenty of people who have money but are emotionally poor. There are plenty of people who have money but are spiritually poor. And there are plenty of people who are friend poor, socially poor. So when you go ahead and you open up your home to, to the Ani, says the Torah Samincha, that has the ability to bring about kapara, just like the Mizbeach did. So really you see some really incredible, beautiful ideas. Either it's by taking food, which can be viewed as so mundane, and using it as a point of connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's like the Mizbeach. Hachnasas Archim, be a unifier, which in general is a good thing in life. Be a person who is a unifier. Be a person who brings Jews together. Not a person who goes in and splits Jews apart. Mizbeach was a unifier. If you use your table to be a unifier, then you are just like the Mizbeach. Torah Samincha, ultimately chesed. Chesed. Open up your home for real chesed. Take care of people who don't have, who are impoverished. However their poverty manifests itself, use your table to go ahead and address the poverty suffered by others. And if you do that, you turn your table into a Mizbeach. Becomes... The Ma'ar Enayim. The Ma'ar Enayim was Rav Menachem Nachem Torsky, who died in 1798, 1735 to 1798. He says something absolutely mind-blowing. And the Ma'ar Enayim says, In reality, listen to this. Says, says the Ma'ari Naim, what does it mean when we say that that a person's table atones for him? So the Ma'ari Naim means that your table, what you do at your table, is a Mizbeach. I'm sorry, is a Karban, is an offering. Just like on the Mizbeach, on the altar, you would offer up a Karban. So too, again, there is sacrificial service. There is Karbanus that happen at your table. What kind of Karbanus happening at my table? He says, Shu Yichud Gamar. Get ready for this idea. Why is a shulchan called a shulchan? You know, it, it, it's interesting. A big difference in Hebrew 
And in English, even in English, right, every word has an etymology. But remember, again, when you get to a certain point, so some of the etymologies don't necessarily have a meaning. They are ascribed meaning. In Lashon Kodesh, every single word has a deeper meaning, right? This, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is why it's called Lashon Kodesh. There's no such thing as a word that just... I mean, in modern Hebrew, you could find words that are just contrived words. But in Biblical Hebrew, what we call Lashon Kodesh, every word... So set up is something amazing. Why is a shulchan called the shulchan? Well, why is it called the shulchan? So the Rebbe says something amazing. Because a shulchan is derived from the word shlichos. Shlichos. Shlichos means a mission or an agency. You know, people often think that it's only the chabadnikim who are sent out on shlichos. Right? Every Jew has a shlichos. Every Jew has a mission or a purpose in this world. And by the way, it could be more than one mission and more than one purpose. But every single individual has a shlichos. Says the Rebbe something absolutely amazing. The shulchan derives its name from shlichos. The shulchan derives its name because it's at the shulchan that I discover my shlichos. Now, now what does that mean? Right? There are many people who think that it's their shlichos in this world to eat. Right? There are many people, you know, it just, it, it always struck me, you know, there are people who sometimes refer to themselves, interesting, I just heard this term, not even so long ago, as foodies. A person is a foodie. And I thought to myself, wouldn't you be embarrassed to describe yourself as a foodie? That's your claim to fame? That uh, you, you know food? Yeah, I mean, again, doesn't that sound like a little bit shallow? I'm not, I'm not knocking the foodies. Well, I am knocking the foodies because I guess I just, I, I like food. Baruch Hashem, I, I like to eat. But the notion of describing yourself that like, ah, I'm a foodie. This is, this is my expertise. So sad. So sad. That's your expertise in life. Food? Food? So your expertise in life is how to nourish your goof. That's fantastic. There's only one problem. After 120, that disintegrates. That's, that's nothing. So if your expertise is in the most temporal part of your existence, what a sad existence. We all have a shlichos. What does it mean at my table I discovered my shlichos? So this is incredible. This goes back to a fundamental yisod. Why does a Jew eat? Why does a Jew eat? And the answer to that question really goes back to a more fundamental question, which is a question of self-definition. Am I a body which houses a soul or am I a soul which is housed by a body? And that is not a question of semantics. That gets to the very core of our self-definition. Am I a body? Right? If you ask me what I am, I'm, I'm, I'm a human being. I'm a physical being. It happens to be that I also have a spark of holiness. I have a Nitzvot Kedusha inside of me. Or, no, no, you want to know what I am? I'm a Neshama. That's what I am. I'm a soul. But it happens to be that my soul, which is the dominant aspect of who I am, cannot interact in this world without a physical shell. But it's not my physicality that is a primary part of me. It is the spirituality. It's the neshama. Why does, and we know the correct answer. The correct answer is, I am a neshama. I am a nitzutz elokim mimal. I am a spark of the ribono shalom. I am a son of HaKadosh Baruch who was sent down to this world, but I can't accomplish anything just as in a Shema. 
I need, I need a body to be able to accomplish something in this physical world. So I am in the Shema, which was given the gift of a guf in order to be able to interact. So why does the Jew eat? And the Jew eats one simple reason. Because I need koach to be able to fulfill mashlichos. You know, it's no different than you could buy the most expensive luxury automobile and has every single feature in the world, right? It knows where you want the seat even before you get into the car. And it even knows where you need to go even before you know where you need to go. And it has a snack that comes out of the glove compartment because it knows when you're hungry, here's your stomach growling, every single feature in the world. If you don't put gas in the car, or, if, or electric, or you don't charge the battery of the car, you're not going anywhere. So why does a Jew eat? Because I have a shlichos. I have a shlichos. And that's a shlichos that I'm going to accomplish with this guf. And this guf needs fuel. And that's why eating is holy. And that's why, again, you know, we joke a lot about the fact that everything we do always centers around a meal, a suda. Eating is holy because as Jews, we believe that eating is not an end, it's a means. It's a means. When I eat, what the machshava, the kavan after them is, why am I eating? Why am I eating? And this is true from the time I have my cup of coffee in the morning till my dinner at night. What, why am I doing these things? You want to say it, it's a reaction to my physical, to my, to my hunger? But that's, that, that's selling it so short. It's because I have a shlichos. I, I have a mission. And I need fuel. I, I, I need fuel in order to accomplish the mission. So now we understand. So that, and, and says them Arinaim, that's what it means when it says, Shulchano shal Adam Mechaper. When we say that a person's table atones for him, what it really means is like this. When I sit down at my table and I eat a su'uda, and my kavana when I eat is that I have a shlichos, I have a mission, I have something to accomplish, which by the way, as an aside, this is why Yiddishkeit is against gluttony and excess. Because what happens when you eat too much? You're not going anywhere right when i eat too much the only thing i want to do is <sighs> i'm just gonna stay right here well if i'm eating to the point of inaction that means i did it wrong that means i did it wrong right if i'm eating to the point where all i want to do now is go to sleep i'm not talking about shabbos afternoon right that's shabbos sleeping on shabbos afternoon is a mitzvah i'm talking about if i eat to the point where i'm uh, i'm immobilized then you've missed the hashkaf of eating. That, that, that's not why a Jew eats. Eat, a Jew eats to be sated. A Jew eats to be full. But a Jew eats to be fueled. Not to be full, just full. I eat to be fueled for my shlichus. And now we understand the role of su'uda on par. Remember again, let's loop back. We're trying to understand. I understand the nature of the mitzvah of mishta and simcha. But it is fascinating to see that I, that we give each other mishloch monos, right? We give each other gifts of food, gifts of food, in order that you should have a suda and I should have a suda. We're so concerned. We're so concerned, like no Jew left behind. God forbid anyone should go hungry. It's like we, we all become Jewish mothers on Purim. God forbid someone should be hungry. So we make sure, I'm gonna, oh, you don't have enough food? Let, let, let me give you some. You don't have enough hamantashen? Let, 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 let me give you some more. We're so concerned that someone's not going to have a suda that we give each other food. So why, why now? But now we understand. What was the mistake of the Jews that led up to the Purim story? The mistake of the Jews was that they, part, they, they had partaken in this, they partook of the Suda Bachashverosh. 
And the Sudar Achashverosh, what was the message? What was the message to Klaudi Yisrael at the Sudar Achashverosh? The message was, you have no shlichos. You're done. You're done. Your destiny has come to an end. You'll have a nice life here. It's fine. You'll, you'll be fine. But your shlichos is done. It was a good run, Cloud Yisrael. You started with Moshe. Moshe Beni, you made it until Nebuchadnezzar, destroyed the base Hamikdash, And now you're done. There's no more shlichos. So sit back and enjoy the ride. Drink more wine. Eat more food. Like I said, it's glat, it's yashan, it's chadash. It's whatever you want it to be. Whatever you want. Whatever you want from the menu. It's yours with as many hashkachas as you want. And eat as much as you want. Because there's no more shlichos. There's no more shlichos. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees that Klav Yisrael gives up on a destiny, that's when sometimes he has to remind us that we are perpetually a people of destiny. There's always something greater waiting for us. There's always something to be accomplished on a personal, on a national level. And the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, wakes us up is unfortunately through the cruel and barbaric edict of Haman to go ahead and destroy us. The whole Purim story began because Jews had a meal just to get full and not to get fueled. They had a meal which symbolized their willingness to give up their shlichos. So what do we do on Purim? What do we do on Purim? We have Mishtev Simcha. We have Mishtev Simcha. And you know what we do on Purim? We bring each other gifts of food. And do you know the message that we give to one another when, when, when we show up at each other's homes with gifts of food? We say, here, here, mamala, shefala, tantala, you know, eat, eat a little bit more, eat a little bit more. Do you know why? You have so much to do in life. You have so much to accomplish. You have so much to be. Fuel yourself up for the journey. That's the chizik we give each other through Mishloach Manos, through Seudas Purim. I don't think you need another Hamantashin, and you don't think I need another Hamantashin. We're all fine with the Hamantashin we have. We're all fine with all the beautiful baked goods and everything else that we give each other. But it's a chizik. It's a chizik because thousands of years ago in Shushan, Jews partook, partook of a su'uda where they gave up their shlichos, where they gave up destiny, where they got full and didn't get fueled. And now comes Purim, comes this Friday, we're going to show up at each other's homes, we're going to give each other Shalach Manas, and we're going to say, you know what, you know what comes, you know, it's always cute to see, you know, people come with their Shalach Manas, and the Shalach Manas matches the theme of the, of the costumes, and the this, oh, and I made a poem, and I made this, and it's all very cute, and all very beautiful. You know what the best thing to say with your Shalach Manas is? It's one phrase, dear so-and-so, I believe in you, Afreilich and Purim. I believe in you, because that is the entire essence of Mishloach Manos. I believe that you have a destiny. I believe that you have a shlichos. And so when you sit down at your shulchan today, shulchan or shul adam echaper, a person's table atones for him. Why? Shulchan milashon shlichos. Because my shulchan reminds me, eat up, eat up, eat well, eat healthily, eat up. Because you have a lot to accomplish. And when I give you food and you give me food, the message we are saying to each other is we believe in one another. That we each have the ability to accomplish something great. And herein lies the ultimate message of Purim.
which have, that's why, going back to what we said before, if you notice again, although the Megillah really outlines Mishta Simcha, Mishta Achmanos, Matanos Levyonim, there's really only one mitzvah. It's really only one mitzvah, and it's Su'uda. Because the essence of Purim is sit down at your table and get fueled up. Sit down at your table and remind yourself that you have a shlichus. Sit down at your table and remind yourself that you have something to accomplish. And for each of us, it's going to be something different. For some of us, our accomplishments will be known by others. And for some of us, the world will never know about my accomplishments. But I'll know. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will know. And that's all that matters. Sometimes we erroneously think of dynamic accomplishments are things that are public. But it's not true. We know from our lives some of the things, greatest things that we've accomplished so far, maybe even no one knows about it. And maybe no one will ever know about it. Because maybe I conquered a demon. Maybe I overcame a challenge. It's no one's business. It's just me and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Whatever your, whatever your shlichos is, fuel up and get ready. We should be Hashem. That first of all, there is nothing greater in life. You know, if you think about this, I have a strong feeling that as you go into Purim and someone shows up at your house with Mishloach Manos, whether they know why they're giving it to you or not, feel good about yourself. Because when someone shows up at your door with something, whether they're actively communicating it, subliminally communicating it, or just with their neshama, they're communicating it. It's the message, I believe in you. And we all know, there's nothing better in life than when someone tells you, I believe in you. So as we get our shalach manas, and we give our shalach manas, and tell others that we believe in them. Let this be a year when you sit down our suit. You know, it's going to be a little bit of a, I'll, I'll call it chaotic Purim, because it's Erev Shabbos, and it's a short day, and you might have noticed there's a pandemic, and you know there's, there, there's a lot of stuff going on. But maybe there'll be a little bit of less hustle and bustle on Purim Day, which gives us a golden opportunity to sit down at the Su'udah and close our eyes. Don't fall asleep. To close our eyes and just to ask myself, what is my shlichos? What, before you take a bite of anything, what is my shlichos? And the shlichos for now might not be the shlichos for the rest of my life. I might decide on my shlichos for the next month. I might decide on my shlichos for the next year. Or I might decide on my shlichos for the next two days. But whatever it is, decide on your shlichos. And once you decide on my shlichos, you pick up that first piece of food and you say, Hineni muchan I am prepared. Lekabel alai es shlichusai. I hereby accept upon myself my shlichos. My shulchan becomes the springboard for my shlichos. And in that respect, my shulchan becomes like my mizbeach. And halavai, if we all transform our shulchanos into our mizbechos, then as we celebrate the Geula of Purim, we will be zochem yertz Hashem to have the real mizbeach, to celebrate the yertz Hashem, the real simcha of Moshiach, the real simcha of the Beis HaMikdash, the real simcha of the mizbeach. And I'm yertz Hashem, all of it will happen. Amen. Wishing everyone a wonderful day, a freilich and Purim, and of course, a good Shabbos. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. 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 Thank